Hello, welcome to Fine Art Podcast, where the podcast is fine, but the art is fine. My name's Keegan Shiner, and today's guest is Evan Blackwell. She's an Atlanta, Georgia-based abstract painter, and she's so, so interesting. Um, I've done a few recordings of this intro where I tried to explain what she's up to, and I, I'm giving up. Uh, she she does a great job explaining what she's interested in. Um, basically, uh, how abstract paintings kind of hold the archive of your body's memories and your mind's memories and decolonizing white men in mid-century America being in charge of abstract paintings and going all the way back to um, abstract. It was in cave paintings in um in Australia and you know the Kuba tribe in the Congo made textiles which we mentioned in the episode and I, I never explain what I mean um, if you google it you can see really great pictures of Kuba textiles they're like they're basically geometric type of shapes and they're um, done really really beautifully and intricate and but they're abstract designs they don't fit like a geometric code and there's no repeat patterns um, but there, and it's cloth, so it's just really interesting uh, to look at. And um, she also talks quite a bit about the quilters of G's Bend. Um, there's a really great website for them too. If you want to know more about Evan Blackwell's art, she's evanblackwellart.com. You can look at her paintings as we're going through the episode if you want to. The other thing that changes in this episode is I invited my friend Eric to hang out with us. Uh, he's an accountant. He doesn't know fine art. He's never done a painting before. I don't even know if he's taken an art class. Um, but I just thought, you know, he's so fun to hang out with. I, I just, and it was a big ask for him too, because he, he was kind of nervous about being on a fine art podcast and not being a fine artist. But I said, Eric, it'll be okay. And you owe me a favor. And he said, fine. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and there's a really great moment that comes from this, I think in this episode, uh, and yeah, I can't wait for you to listen to it. So um, Evan Blackwell is my guest, and I hope you enjoy this episode, and I'll talk to you on the other side. Um, I'm the noob, I guess is the best way to describe it when it comes to art. I'm an, account I'm an accountant by trade. Um, so you will get asked dumb questions by me, and I apologize in advance. I mean, you're intelligent. You have a master's degree. I have a master's degree, but that doesn't mean I know art. I mean, again, a fish, but, uh, a fish is very good at swimming, but it doesn't mean he knows how to climb trees. It's not going to be like, why blue, though? You're not going to be like, why blue? <laughs> I went to ask it every single time now, though, you realize. I'm like, mm, there's no blue in this. Why is there no blue in this? <laughs> well, you know, uh, that's actually a question I'm used to because my husband is not an artist, and blue is his favorite color. So whenever there is blue present, and he's very excited about it. So he's learned a lot over the six and a half years of being in a relationship with an artist. But so I'm not I'm not um, a stranger to the why blue question. Do you have blue a lot? I, I don't think I mean you do, yeah. Your first on your like website. I'm really used to, but now I've been really interested in blue. I guess we're talking about blue now. So. Oh, we are. Um, but yeah, no, I actually have been like really drawn to it recently. I don't I don't know why. Um, is your husband encouraging this? Like, like this is great. Go more, maybe, go more. It's, maybe it's like a, a symbiotic osmosis sort of thing. Like he learns a little bit about art and I like 
reward that by implementing blue in my painting. Is he giving you like a cookie when you finish a painting? Oh, right. Like, being <laughs> yeah. This has three fourths, uh, three fourths are covered in blue. You get three fourths of a cookie. Oh, man, I feel like we're going down a weird rabbit hole, but no, that's not, that's not how it is. I'm like, good, which is good. But, um, yeah, at least you're yeah. not like, Hey, wait a second. <laughs> wait, have you been training me? Yes. No, I feel like there's some weird dynamics happening in that, in that strategy. So that's not it. But, um, yeah. How, no, how often do you go to your studio? It's in my house. So every day. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your, what's your like painting schedule? Um, honestly, having a schedule in this time is like not a real thing, but I've kind of developed where it's around after lunch. So like 12, 30, one o'clock until about like 6.30 is about when I spend time in my studio. And I've been um, kind of ramping up the process, you know, of painting a lot. I've had a lot of um, customers and clients coming through and commissions that I've been working on. So that's been really helpful to like keep me uh, like on a schedule because people are expecting things from me so yeah that's been great yeah. but yeah so but having it in my it was in our garage and then it got very hot and so I commandeered a room in our house and it's been wonderful I have great you're, you're in Atlanta right yes yeah oh yeah so that that gets pretty warm how yeah. what how how warm did it get like what's the hottest that it got this summer this summer, it honestly has not been, like, it was hot, but it's not been that hot. Like, probably upper 90s, but, like, we never really broke 100, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we had a very mild uh, spring, like, a real spring, which was awesome. And, yeah, and now it's, like, middle of September. Like, I was telling Keegan, it's, it's like, 70 degrees outside and huh. lovely. And normally, it's, like, 100 degrees. <laughs> so, Eric, I'm what about Chicago? Chicago? Yeah. It's 63 right now. Um, we never broke 100 either. Um, no? No. We had like shorts and t-shirt weather, but that's about it. I mean, right now, again, we're on the discussion with my nephew that, no, you can't wear shorts to go outside <laughs> and play. Yes, put on a sweater and a coat. Like, So I got in trouble yesterday because I was babysitting. Yeah. And when he went outside, my brother-in-law comes out with a sweater and everything. And he's in, <laughs> nephew's in the shorts and a t-shirt. He's like, why is my son freezing to death? And I'm like, he said he was fine. Yeah. yeah no, well, we that's time in Minnesota um, last week with uh, my husband's family, and it was like 43 degrees and raining. And I was like, "What oh, is happening yeah. right now?" That's a shock. Yeah, it's it's uh it's weird times in in the world. <laughs> we didn't even have really snow in Boston over the winter, but really? it got it got hot here. It got up to like 95 a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. But only a few days. Like yeah. The hottest we've had is like 97, 98, which is like still very uncomfortable but not yeah. not breaching the 100 100 degree mark so uh evan what yeah. got you started painting i guess let's start wow. at the beginning oh man the very beginning i honestly don't know what well actually yes so i've always been uh creative in everything like from day one I would I would say I've always been the one drawing and doodling and like making little cartoons for my friends in school and um, taking art classes and going to art camp and everything but I was always kind of a drawer rather than a painter mm -hmm. so it wasn't really until I got into the uh, BFA program at UGA that I had a really great um, teacher who kind of helped me transition from drawing into painting and and another great uh, professor who was a grad student who um, kind of opened the world of aqueous media 
to me in a really fun and exciting way. Um, aqueous? Aqueous? Water-based media. So like water -based. Okay. anything that's aqueous, anything wet. Aqueous. Um, that's not like oil soluble, it's water soluble. So I see. Yeah, so I mean, it's been like a gradual transition for a while, but painting in it in and of itself would be uh, undergrad. What, and you, you make cartoons? No, I, I mean, I used to, because that's about like as, as refined of a, of a drawing capacity I had <laughs> when I was, which is not to say it's not a refined skill set. It was just, they were cartoon-ish, because that's what oh, okay. I was capable of at the time. So, were you, were, Did you ever make it to like realistic uh, illustrations or? Not illustrations. I did more uh, realistic drawing and uh, painting in undergrad, so... Okay. Yeah, I never, I mean, cartoons weren't really like, it wasn't like strips or anything. It was just like drawing my friend, like caricatures of my friends or like oh, you cool. know, scenes or something. So it wasn't like the full blown, like skill set of cartooning. I would not say that I'm just a closet, like cartoonist. You know, yeah. cartoonist. It's, that is absolutely outside of my skill set. Oh, because that's a rabbit hole I was willing crazy. to dive down. <laughs> yeah, people who can draw like the same character over and over again uh, are very like, it's impressive. Yeah, yeah, I can't understand it. Because I'm like, okay, I drew it once. I have to do something else now. I don't know if it's ADD or something, but I, I have the same problem. Yeah, no, it might be. It might be a little bit of that. So you didn't paint in high school or before college? No, not really. Um, and I think, it, again, it was just kind of what was available to me. Um, okay. I had, like, I had art camps, so I, like, did paint a little bit, but it was, like, very, very rudimentary basic and it really was more drawing focused pencils markers chalk pastels things like that yeah and like I remember in high school one of my uh, art finals if, it, if that's what they're called in high school I can't even remember what they're called but it was like a, a <laughs> colored pencil still life which was like super intricate so that was kind of where I refined my my art abilities at a younger age and what I felt comfortable doing so okay yeah, that's what I was I was working with for a while until probably sophomore year of undergrad. Did you know you wanted to be an artist? When when did you like figure out that that was put the pedal to the to floor? Yeah. So I always wanted to do yeah. something creative. Um, I kind of went through the whole spectrum of of creative fields. I used to want to be a fashion designer when I was younger, and oh, wow. I would draw little fashion uh, models and things. And then um, I was really interested in interior design, and I actually have worked in interior design since grad school, so that's been really fun. Oh, cool. Um, but I never went to school for it because working heavily on computers is absolutely not my strong suit, and that is a very computer-heavy field now <laughs> with, oh, yeah? with CAD and everything. So yeah, so I actually went into undergrad thinking that I would do that. And then I had that professor I mentioned who really kind of pushed me and called out some of my skills and was like, you're really good at this. And honestly, you seem more passionate about it than everything else. And my sister had a hand in convincing me as well to just go for it and do studio art. So that's what I did. And I love it. I'm happy I made that decision. So you went from not painting to painting. What was the transitional period like? Was it a difficult learning process or did you kind of pick it up right away? What was it? Yeah, what was um, that transition like? It was kind of weird. And like people might think that drawing and painting are like naturally the same thing, but they're really not. And I mean, there's of course overlap in 
building like a composition and you know refining shapes and color and whatever all of that is kind of similar but the way that you have to build a painting is kind of different because I'm used to like starting with a sketch and an outline and kind of rendering shadow which again is still there's some similarity there but there was kind of a a computation error and like my first <laughs> transition from drawing to painting because of that so I'd want to like have the outline and be able to just like move left to right as I render things whereas with painting it's you start from the bottom up where you're kind of building layers and refining and more like it's almost like 2d sculpture in that sense where you're starting with a really really kind of blobby mess and then you're like etching it down into into a more refined piece so that that was a transition for me to like figure out that process and make that difference or that yeah. jump from drawing to painting but yeah and then working abstractly is a, an entirely different it's an entirely different uh, uh, frame of mind too that I had to transition out of too. But yeah, all of that kind of builds on itself to be able to be in a place where you can work abstractly. I, I believe. So when did you start doing abstract? Yeah, so it was with that Aqueous Media course that I mentioned. Um, it was a course called Aqueous yeah, Media. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I've never heard that word out loud really? yeah yeah so there's a whole course on um working with aqueous media so watercolor wow. and water like you know thin acrylics and um just doing weird things <laughs> like yeah. make weird sort of marks with um with water soluble paint um and so we had this project where we had to make like a hundred different small works in a very short amount of time so in doing that a lot of it did just kind of you know, digress into abstract mark making. And it was really fascinating to kind of like see that go from like, okay, I'm going to paint this fish. I painted a fish. And then like that fish kept getting iterated differently until it was just kind of this abstract composition. Wow. So, and it was super fun figuring that out and um, kind of learning that process, which is a, a different side of your brain that kind of gets activated, which is really cool and really influential on my my work kind of that connection of how our brains process it's like um, improv you went into improvisation yeah there is mode. a lot of improv yeah. i think in in my work for sure intuitiveness i feel like is the word that i'm used to but i guess improv is also uh yeah <laughs> well i know that a lot of artists don't like that word because it it takes away the intent of the stroke and Oh, no. yes, yes, which is a whole nother can of worms is having to be so intentional about every single mark you make and yeah. <laughs> think that there is... Wasn't it Kandinsky part. that did like actual just improv number one or... Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And that was for Western, the Western canon, that was a huge shift, um, you know, in the painting process. But yeah, no, abstraction has been a part of our, our world and our understanding of, of color and shape and form since like day one yeah. <laughs> of human existence and of human society. So um, just to plug that, that it's not just Kandinsky. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're right. Yeah, uh, in your artist statement, you mentioned the Kuba tribe. Yeah, no, so that's something that's been really important to me right now and kind of... Um, furthering my research and also kind of reifying like the thought that abstraction belongs to society it belongs to not just the western canon and not just to like white men in the mid-century who who decided to make these huge paintings and put them on gallery walls and all of a sudden it was like 
fascinating and new and avant-garde, yeah. but it's been a part of, like I said, it's been a part of different forms of design and, um, and making since day one. And you can look around, like even with quilting, which is a really, um, yeah. it's a, it's a form of making that I feel like a lot of, a lot of cultures in some way, shape or form are like comfortable with and know, and just looking at that and how those shapes and patterns come from their environment and what's around them, which I think is fascinating too. Like even the names of some of the quilts and things will be like related to like the barn structure or like the A-frame shape of the house. And so it's like what they're used to, but they're, they're reducing that shape or that, that knowledge down to a form or color, which is kind of the crux of abstraction. Reduction kind of like, or um, yeah. pushing in or pulling out, right? It's, yeah. it's like a weird balance. And those are the quilts that you're mentioning are... Um, um, the ones that I look at specifically are the Quilters of G's Bend, which is a group of like African-American women in, in uh, Alabama, I believe. And Alabama, yeah. They just, it's part of their community and culture and sort of community making that they come together and they sing spirituals and they make quilts out of their old jeans and they're like just from what's around them. And there's this really beautiful inherent formalism to their work, but it's not like it's just you know they're just making quilts and um, yeah so it's clear that the quilts are like well-made quilts because my my mother is a quilter actually yeah and, and she's gone from doing traditional block prints to like ab almost abstract quilts or, oh, I'd love to see them. or my yeah yeah they're really cool but when i went on that site it was just really interesting to see quilts that weren't square and and like yeah. uh had patterns that didn't add up in and it's weird to see quilts because quilting is so geometric and precise mathematically even those abstract ones need to be like they needed to measure out properly yeah. to get it to fit or yeah um, just like fit within the rectangle that they're working with but within that rectangle there can be like whatever you want happening in there oh yeah like whatever's around you just happens in that which i think again is very well related to abstract painting on canvas um, yeah, I could talk about them forever. I think it's fantastic <laughs> that there can be something so like humble, but also like high art happening on the same surface and like they're using what they have. And, but at the same time that there is this kind of inherent, cause they're not like looking through abstract expressionist like catalogs oh, no. from MoMA. They're just like making what's in them and making from what's around them, which is kind of where I feel really confident in the work that I'm making because it is just kind of like this language is inherent almost in in human making and human understanding that there is this sort of anyways that there's just like this form of abstraction in all of us in some way shape or form and it's always kind of been there but we've just now started to in recent history started to kind of explore that more and the, those quotes I'm going back to the quilts because it's such yeah. an interesting um part of your artist statement to like bring those up I guess yeah. because they, they they definitely relate to your paintings but they what am I trying to say oh crafts like the craft world does not accept that kind of quilt you know what I mean yeah no it's it's there is such a stark one side or the other like either you're a perfectionist of it which is kind of the, tr the Western tradition of quilt making. And then there's this more humble, this is what I have. I'm just talking, I'm just singing, I'm just, you know, but 
both are valid, which is kind of just like if you're looking at the formal canon of like Western abstraction, you have the same thing with geometric abstraction and, you know, and abstract expressionism and Helen Frankenthaler existing mm -hmm. in the same plane as Pousset or whatever. So there's like this, right. these things can exist simultaneously and not invalidate one another. Because we have a quilt from my husband, um, his grandmother, or no, aunt, great aunt. Great on. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like going through like, who gave us these quilts? Yeah. Um, gifted us these beautiful handmade quilts for our, our wedding. And they are, they're like perfect and they're gorgeous. And like one side is like this beautiful kind of paisley thread pattern. And then on the yeah. other side, it's the gridded quilt and like those sort of <laughs> layers happening together. I'm like, there is this kind of simultaneity that can happen and can exist to make something like formally beautiful, but also like full of soul and memory. And I think that that's again, that there is this kind of duality of abstraction in that sense. So I digress. But yeah, I could talk about them for a long time because I just, I think it's so fascinating and, and, and brilliant. And we those are the, the quilters of Queens Bridge, of G's right? Bend. So G's, oh, G's Bend. G's Bend. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. quilters of G's Bend. Yeah. yeah. There's a documentary out with them too that I think it was the times but um it's so oh my gosh it's just so like makes my heart smile like watching it because it's just these old women like in their humble little homes quilting and then this guy comes through and he's like <laughs> beautiful and then like takes them on a bus tour of america to like show off their quilts and like these beautiful huge museums so even just oh, like wow. that sort of side by side just juxtaposition of like humble <laughs> alabama like in these huge like chicago museums or whatever oh, yeah like these things can exist at the same time and not be like so exclusive or so lowbrow, highbrow, because there is this really beautiful accessibility when both of those worlds collide. Eric, so, yeah, are you looking at those now? I am looking at everything right now. I'm going through <laughs> them again. I was just wondering, like, would, do you prefer normal geometric square quilts or what do you think of the abstract or oblong quilts that they that they have on the site? Um. I prefer more ornate normal though, but again, I'm also coming from the background of, I like my songs to repeat, <laughs> right? for lack of a better word. I mean, like you tend to hear, like in music, for example, you tend to hear a lot of times the same, you have the three chords of awesomeness. That's <laughs> what I experienced with my art as well, so. Yeah, which is entirely valid and, you know, not, one is not necessarily better than the other and especially coming from, you said you're in Chicago, so the Midwest, so that sort of formalism and quilt making is very traditional to the, the region you're in, which is, you know, could play a, play a part into how you receive art and how you, um, you know, process it. So that's cool. That's great. Yeah. I was just wondering what you thought. Yeah. Yeah. No wrong I, answers. Okay. <laughs> I disagree. There are definitely wrong answers, but. No, I don't I think so. I, background. My theory is that there's people who prefer like the the rigid like geometrics and people who prefer more abstract improvisational and and like both are valid right like you can watch a sitcom mm -hmm. and laugh just as much at every joke is timed and beat beat it out and you can watch like an improv show where like nothing has been written and it's complete chaos and and both are really funny right but like they're different forms of comedy it's sort of like the same basic idea you know eric yeah no i understand exactly i just 
I think that a lot of times with abstracts you get uh you get a bigger range. Like so with abstracts you get stuff that for lack of a better term are not appealing at all to even more appealing than the stuff that's rigid. So like rigid, if I were to draw my fruit plates, it would not look like a fruit plate because I'm not a good artist, but you would have the vain ideas and people would be do that too. Whereas like somebody go out and do abstract it's either much, much more appealing to me or it's much, much less. So, or, or somewhere in between. So that's what I, my view is, so. Well, art is always subjective. So even if people try very hard to make it objective, there is always subjectivity <laughs> to art making and pretty much everything that humans yeah. make. <laughs> right, right. There is subjectivity to it, so. So Evan, how did you end up in grad school? Was that right after college or before? Yeah, I went right in and I am still recovering from being so exhausted <laughs> from, from just going from school to school to school. Um, but yeah, so I, I just kind of felt like I was hitting a more rigorous stride, like right at the end of my undergraduate degree. And I felt like I needed to kind of press into that a little bit more and expand just everything, my whole world of art making and studio practice. And because I knew that there was more to it than like what, you know, you get in undergrad. So I just applied and I got into SMFA and we trucked it from Athens, Georgia, all the way up to Boston. Yeah. Um, and I am thoroughly exhausted from it, but it was, it was an important part in, in, in my, in my studies, but also like just in life in general. What was your thesis work about? Yeah. So my thesis work was about so it kind of, again, was the next chapter or next volume of my undergraduate work, which is about um, healing and recovery and how our bodies catalog um, memory and how our, our, we can like physically remember too, because I was in a really bad car accident. So it was kind of under the first part, my undergraduate portfolio was more about like that specifically that event and then oh. my graduate portfolio was more about like kind of studying like how we how we catalog in our brain and archive memory how we archive trauma how we archive anything really to to kind of make who we are and our, how our brains like physically change with each new learned experience and with each new memory formed what, what was the car accident yeah, so I, I it was 2014, and um, I a car, the guy left his car in the middle, it's kind of a long, long story, but a guy left his car in the middle of the shoulder in the right lane of traffic on a bridge at night, and there, <laughs> I uh, hit the car, and my car spun around, and then in avoiding an 18-wheeler, I uh, stumbled out of my car and over a bridge and fell 53 feet oh my God. the woods, and I shattered my vertebra and spent long time in the hospital, lots oh, of surgery, no. and yeah, so long, long story. <laughs> yeah. But uh, survived, survived really what medically and physically and everything I should not have. Still how long, how long were you in the hospital? Uh, for 11 days, and then I was recovering for three months. So. Oh, yeah. And still ongoing process of things. Did you have casts and... Um, yeah, I had a whole back brace and leg cast and little scooter to get me around and couldn't like turn over in bed without help. It was a, it was a, it was a whole, whole, whole thing that has very much so influenced my, yeah, my that, how I view life and everything. So, so yeah, it was a lot of 
first it was kind of wanting to under like come to terms with that especially because in being in a situation where you're like oh it's a miracle that you're still here which it absolutely is kind of always only receiving like yes why why are you upset you're still alive and it's like yes but there's so much that i have to like especially being like 20 at the time like not being able to have any agency about any motion that you make it was very um difficult difficult for me to kind of reimagine what who i am and how i move through the world literally and mentally <laughs> and spiritually so so yeah that's kind of what led into um into that kind of study of how we deal with any form of trauma and how we deal with any form of memory and how that really forms who we are and just like that archiving process and and learning those things and like how our bodies hold physical memory as well so yeah it's it's been a it's been a really really fascinating deep dive i got to go to spain on a grant to study it a little bit more which was awesome um yeah yeah so what a um so your thesis work has more like just the colors are more like drab is that the correct word um, um it, muted. <laughs> muted sure and it's a little bit more chaotic than your current work yes so i loved working in uh this sort of way like a more intuitive installation way it's kind of like painting abstractly but on a huge surface and with more than just two-dimensional material I'm not really working that way right now just because I felt like this kind of closed that chapter for me where I needed to get this sort of workout. Plus, I don't really have the space to do this work right now. <laughs> yeah. I can't like turn my whole house into a, into an installation room. I still I'm sure your husband would love that though. <laughs> yes, I mean, he's very accommodating, but that might be the line. But yeah, so so this work was definitely, it was looking into memory making, how we frame certain experiences. So there's like a floating frame and as you move around it, you frame different parts of the um, installation. So kind of also coming from a place of, you know, every person approaches every situation. Like you might be looking at the same thing, but they come with their own baggage more or less and their own histories. And so that will alter the way you're looking at the same thing. Um, so kind of this form of memory making and this form of histories coming to the same platform and always inherently being different. Like there's no way to be, again, objective in, in how we view memory or how we view um, really anything, unfortunately, on a it, large It really level. looks like you took apart a body and then put it back up, yeah. like yeah. in different in different places. Yes, yes. And that comes a lot too from um, from my looking into like what having to come to terms of what happened with my body and how it was kind of taken apart like they took a rib and um ground it down and replaced some of my spine with it so there is kind of oh, wow. sort of replacing parts of bodies with other <laughs> parts of bodies which is kind of grotesque yeah um, but finding a way to also make that approachable where it is like this kind of discomfort in the the grotesqueness but still like not so much so that you want to turn away but hopefully that you'd want to kind of look closer at the smaller details right because that's the other thing it's not just like chaos and i've i walked into your studio when you were painting and you were like inches away from the canvas like putting <laughs> putting a like small dot on one of these paintings and then when you walk up to it in the installation it's like really large and you don't want to get that close when you're looking at this 
this work, you know, it, uh, but you put that much detail into it, which is really in, like an interesting dichotomy, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's a lot of, even though I'm not working in an installation necessarily right now, I think that's a lot of, of what I try to keep in mind when I am building paintings is like this concept of being able to take it in from far away, but as you get closer, there's always something more to discover, which has kind of always been my fascination with painting in general, with like drawing there's, you're kind of just working two dimensionally, like you can have really, really intricate mark makings, but there is just kind of a flatness to it. Right. Whereas with painting, if you get closer, you can see how it was built. Um, and just like, you can kind of peek behind the layers and peek behind the curtain, but then still have this whole. I always go right up to paintings and, and I'm inches away in the museum. Oh yeah, yeah, I get yelled at literally every time in a museum. It's like almost a game that we like, how long will it take for a docent to yell at me? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm sticking my nose too close to the painting. The docents have told me that they can tell when an artist is in the museum because the artist is like inches away yeah. from the painting. Yeah, and like trying to like get around the varnish so that like the light doesn't hit it in a weird way. So you're like, Yeah, I don't know why we do that, but I guess that's what all of us do. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm on the opposite end because I'm so klutzy because I've, <laughs> I've unfortunately touched artwork because I literally walked up to something and tripped. So like I always go as far away from it as possible because I just see the artist sitting there crying like, my life's work, why? My life's work. That's so weird because uh, everyone touches art like before they install it right and then you go into a museum and it's like do not touch do not you know feel or do anything like that it's just the amount of people touching it like art versus like so like just even transporting art you've got it's gonna be put into a crate person's gonna seal the crate up move the crates open the crates do it that's only gonna be like and maybe like 10 to 20 people well sure an art museum even just on a given day, he's going to have like well over 200 people. Well, I'm not saying everyone should touch the, the painting. I'm just <laughs> no, saying like... We're not advocating for, for music <laughs> to touch and feel. And right. Sort of well, I, I have seen, not to speak down on the human species, but I've seen, I've worked retail before. I've seen idiocracy at work. Oh, and, 100%. And yeah. if, if you don't tell people they can't do it, they're going to do it. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely, especially older works, you know, the more oils that build up on your hands and touch things and things are very, very fragile. So no, there are certain things that you shouldn't touch, but like, we're not touching it if we're good. <laughs> but I, I just want to. And I'm just leaning forward. <laughs> I want to see if it has like a bump on there or if it's, yeah, or if it just looks it. like it does. You know? Yeah, I want to see it. Like, I love seeing how highlights and paintings are always thicker than the shadows, which for some reason you always think about it being different, like, because the highlights are like the high points of light, which mm -hmm. isn't tangible. But those are always the like really juicy parts of a painting, which is super fascinating to me. <laughs> so, so I get in there and I see like the architecture of like the paint stroke. The which, juicy parts. Yes, you know, just nerding out over, over paintings and then I get yelled at, so. Right. What did you think of your thesis work? A after grad school, you kind of step back, you're like, well, uh, I did a thing, <laughs> you know, I did it and I had to turn it in. And, and so, yeah. uh, I feel like there was a weird sort of anticlimactic, uh, moment for our thesis work. Um, just in like the way that it was displayed and where it was, but it also was like a huge weight. Like after I got my, Hey, you passed, here's your yeah. degree. It was like, Oh, super. So it wasn't for not, but, um, yeah. 
I think stepping away from it, it was like, okay, everything was really important that I, to me that I made here, but like, it wasn't so precious anymore. Um, especially because it was installation, it isn't impermanent by nature. And so having that kind of moment too, of like throwing away half of it. <laughs> <laughs> like Weird everything that works two yeah. years on is Yeah, they just, just have like a huge dumpster outside the studios and you just like chuck what you can't fit in your car, or can't fit in your tiny 600 square foot Boston apartment. So like a lot of work got thrown out. Which is hilarious because they just spent like two weeks telling people not to touch it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Going back to our conversation <laughs> about touching things. Right. Um, yeah. So stepping away from it, I like I learned a lot about letting myself like work intuitively, letting myself build build works in different ways, which has helped me kind of approach just making paintings and not such like a precious way as well. Yeah. Um, which I guess I've honestly never really been super precious about my paintings. I'm not like I don't tape my edges. I don't use rule. Like I'm not. I'm very much so like if I make it and it's good then it goes out if I don't I just rip the canvas off and restretch a new one sort of way of thinking about it so um that has That's been cool. really really good for me but yeah it was you know it was like a thing that I had to do and now I have this whole archive of, of research that I've done of ways of making that I've worked with like with ceramics and with painting and with soft sculpture that kind of all sort of amalgamate into like how I pull works together now in my studio so your work now is still abstract, just filling people in. And <laughs> it's a lot lighter and has a lot more color. Um, what are you thinking about now when you start painting? Like, what, what, where's your thought process now? What, where are, you, are you researching? What are you, what are you yeah, thinking so when you're going I'm in there? I'm not so heavily in the books as I was in grad school. <laughs> um, and I am trying to like allow myself the levity of just like allowing myself to enjoy my work because I feel like it's so important to like have the 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 basis like the knowledge and history of the whole canon and blah 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 and like doing the work and doing the research but there also it is still like part of you and I feel like as you're making the work so I feel like you should be allowed to enjoy that <laughs> like it shouldn't be like so like oh I have to pull out my soul and it's going to be painful and sometimes it is but like also you should love yourself and love the work you're making um so I am thinking about that and like just allowing myself to enjoy the work that I'm making and not be so hyper focused on the intentionality of every single mark but yeah um but I am still thinking a lot about the archive um and how you know, still like thinking about how our brains catalog information. So I think abstraction, like I've mentioned, is a really more acute tool to talk about that because it is such an intangible concept to talk about memory and talk about like archival processes that our brains like chemically undergo as well as like spiritually undergo too because there is this kind of personality forming and like person making that archiving memory uh, does, which is kind of a sublime concept and a abstract, inherently abstract concept. Right. Um, so I'm thinking about a lot of that too, but also just, again, like recent, like decentralizing the concept of abstract art from mid-century men to like global societies throughout history and that belonging to, to humans and not just like what a lot of people say now where it's dead or it's not for you. It's not for a black woman. It's for white men and like which also isn't true it's just like 
who the world centered around, especially in the mid centuries. Like there are so many black yeah, women making abstract art. Like especially the the art world, right? Especially yeah. the art scene. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially then. So it's like yeah, you know, you have to look at who's writing the history books and who's canonizing things. Um, and and like what they consider like, art versus artifact, which is like. A whole <laughs> <laughs> and and uh outsider art too right because yeah. there's just so many like minority artists that are considered out- outsider art yeah but, but like if they had written about their work the way somebody with can in the canon had written they had marble columns surrounding their artwork then it would have been legitimate yeah right it's, it's right. a whole uh whole issue <laughs> that we really need to that we really need to consider on on a huge scale, but yeah. Okay, if you don't mind, I'm gonna ask Eric to just like tell us what he thinks about one of your paintings, is that okay? Yes, I'm very interested. Okay, and Eric is not an artist and this will be completely, he doesn't know that I was gonna ask him to do this, so. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I'll just pick double rainbow and summer sorbet. So hold on. So if you're following along on the podcast, it's, her painting is called Double Rainbow and Summer Sorbet. Or Sorbet. Is it Sorbet or Sorbet? I think you can decide how to pronounce it. I say Sorbet, <laughs> but I think Sorbet. sorbet. I I? This. There is bloom. <laughs> <laughs> there is a touch of blue. Yeah. There is a touch of blue, so I hope the husband's happy. Um, so, Eric, what do you think of this painting? I mean, I like it, um, but again, no, no, no buts and okay. no, no saying no. I like no. it. Um, I am more drawn onto the top right corner than I am anywhere else. Why? Um, not like just because like even like the parts are left blank, I assume we're intentionally left blank for a reason. I wouldn't understand why, but they are. But the most action seems to be happening towards the top right. What do you mean um, by action? Um, just like there's, looks like there's some red spotting up top and there's orange with blue on top of it and intentionally left white space. Okay. So are um, you drawn to the, the bright colors in the top right corner? Yeah. Bright colors in the top right corner and just the layers of paint. Uh, Cause it looks like you painted on one thing and then purposely painted on top of it, something else. If there's a deeper meaning behind this, like I'm supposed to. Wait, 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 wait. What, what is the feeling that you get when you look at this painting? I see from calm to like anger, like the further you go right. Like it's, if you were reading this the same way you would read um, just like anything, a, just like, in, a, like a, a sentence, a book. Yeah. It like, it starts off with a more calm kind of stuff too. There's, there is some action right away, but further you go right, the more just stuff there is. Okay. What about the title? What, what does the title tell you about the painting? It's called Double Rainbow and Summer Sorbet. Um, did not see a double rainbow. I don't see a man <laughs> crying underneath it going all the way. Um, if that was intentional. All the way. All the way. <laughs> double rainbow. Double it's rainbow. It's so beautiful. Yeah. You are beautiful. Okay. So, um, so there's no double rainbow. No double rainbow. Summer sorbet, sorbet. I see because like those are sorbet like flavored colors so like the ice cream is what i saw it okay as. so sorbet makes sense but the double rainbow um you didn't see it i didn't see that um 
What about like uh, comparing the way that the title makes you feel to the way the painting makes you feel? Like if you if you were to associate double rainbow and sorbet, and then kind of like look at so this painting, does it does it add rainbow, up? I think like after the storm um, comes a rainbow, oh. and it starts off with that because kind of like more relaxed, and then goes more intense. Okay. As he goes further on. So I don't see, again, I don't see the double <laughs> rainbow. Okay, that's fine. You don't but have to see it. I don't, but like the sorbet, I, like the sorbet, I understand, like it seems like you're enjoying yourself while doing this. So, right. Yeah. Cool. Um, also, I thought there was like a bear in the top right hand corner. Like if you go back to it really quickly. Oh, yeah. A bear? Yeah. Okay. Like a bear face. See, that's like another fascinating thing that some people get so frustrated with, um, like, with like abstract art is hearing people say like, oh, this is what I see in it. But that's kind of like the point of yeah. abstract <laughs> art too, is that it leaves space, like it's an, it's, an, it's an active experience. It's not like you're viewing someone else's experience. I bring something to the table, but it's, it's completed by the viewer also bringing their history to the table and their point of view to the table and their it's like so anyways some people get like very upset about that and but it honestly is it's kind of it's the it's the active thing that abstract art requires of the viewer which i think is great it's i can put whatever i need to and want to in the painting yeah but it's not ever fully complete without the viewer also actively being present in it which i think is a really beautiful like energetic never stagnant um, quality of abstraction so totally bears, that's <laughs> and, and not to uh contradict you completely but i do want to ask evan was eric correct <laughs> <laughs> correct in the bears in this uh, in this whole uh description no, I'm um, <laughs> am i going to get the uh billy madison treatment or like in your entire i, I worked at no point your entire <laughs> rambling everyone is now dumber for having listened to you I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, I like I said, it it all comes from a place of where the viewer is coming from. For me, I made this painting after I saw a double rainbow above my house after a storm. So in that, you are accurate in that association. <laughs> um, and and so I made this painting. I think, I mean, also what you're perceiving is, I think you need to give yourself more credit for, because like I said, abstraction, it's like we had this idea as to like, oh, we can't possibly know unless I went to art school to like learn what it is, but it is so inherent in, in human brain chemistry, essentially to like make associations, look for patterns. That's like what we do yeah. um, and how we make, make sense and rationalize our world. So in that sense, you know, it is, for it's like very egalitarian it's for everyone you know it's like it has space for everyone to come to the table in that sense but i made this one in the midst of quarantine after i saw this double rainbow above my house after a storm so there is a lot of a lot of like weird energy in it too of like yeah. i've been up for a while but like find the small joys and things and so there is kind of that just lightheartedness that i felt like i needed personally in it but then there is also still the whole like the storm. Layering. Yeah, there is yeah. also the layering of of the different um, the different layers of the painting, which I work on the unprimed canvas, which allows you to 
player transparencies really well yeah um, is a lot about that kind of building of his so that's always present in in my work is like that building of layers is the building of histories of kind of the stacking of 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 experiences that always influence how you approach something how you approach the work how you approach seeing a double rainbow in the middle of quarantine yeah so that's all there so i, I honestly your description is 100 percent like <laughs> accurate and where i'm coming from and hopefully accurate from where you're coming from and if there's a little bear for you too then a little easter egg who knows <laughs> Yeah, so you're definitely coming from more of an emotional, uh, going into these more emotionally, like you saw a double rainbow, got to paint. Is that? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've always been very emotional. I mean, I'm a very emotive person. And I think that for me, the thing that has always been so frustrating in the in the academic world of, of art is this attempt to, to separate emotion and to separate soulfulness from the rigor of art making or the rigor of academia art making um and again i don't think that those things have to be inherently separate just yeah. like as we're moving into into concepts of like interdisciplinarity and like working across fields and with scientists and with psychologists and with environmentalists or whatever to like create works i think that there is in art making there is inherently going to be for me that crossover it's again not to say that it's wrong if people want just the rigor i think there's space for that and there is a, a need for that but um but yeah so for me it is it is like it's my the knowledge that i've built it's me which is an emotive person it's a, yeah. I'm a soulful person i think that that's really i'm a spiritual person like all of that is present in my work and i don't think one negates the other no definitely not yeah yeah. 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 So, it's so cool, I think though, that you can more credit, man. I think you did a great yeah. job <laughs> looking, at, looking at art. <laughs> I also was partially led there, though, too, by Keegan's like, hey, what about this? So, well, that's okay. Yeah. You, okay. But that's that's what you were thinking. I didn't, I didn't put thoughts in your head. I'm not a magician. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, just like anything, we have to learn how to, how to, like, we had to learn how to read. We had to learn how letters go together to make sounds. Like, but once you once you kind of know the gist, you can you can riff on it a little bit. So you you now have the tools to kind of figure out artwork now. That's cool. So Evan, you sent me some influences, and we've talked about a couple of them. Mm -hmm. uh, the G's Bend quilters. Well, I, I I looked up your artist statement. We talked about the Kuba tribe um, prints. What is uh, what about Nanette Carter? Nanette yeah. Carter? Yeah. She's a contemporary artist. Yeah, she's, um, she's awesome. So a show, a catalog that's really important to me is the, um, I actually have it here, but it's Magnetic Fields, Expanding American Abstraction, 1960s to Today is the title okay. of the catalog slash show that traveled around. Um, and it's, it's centering uh, black women and women of color who have been making abstract art since the same period of time as the white men and oh, great. <laughs> yeah. for. but this kind of centralizes them and shows like, Hey, they were making work in the same way at the same time. And oh, yeah. let's talk about it. Um, so that's how I found out or figured out her, her work and saw her work in, in correlation with the abstract um, movement and I just think it's, it's, I've worked with Mylar and she works with Mylar and collage and oil paints and it's kind of like all materials that I'm really um, 
familiar with, but the way that she constructs constructs her her compositions are really fascinating. And she also works a bit in installation. And yeah, so I don't. I've worked with like literal collage, but for me, I'm I'm so impatient. That, like, <laughs> I really am. I'm just like I can't. I, I have a hard time like sitting down to like make the separate pieces. I want them all to just already be together. Yeah. So kind of find ways to collage without collaging. Right. Um, you kind um, of you paint on the collage, right? Yeah, sort of, exactly. Yeah. So um, so yeah. Because you're I, using like graphite and and oil and and different mediums. Yeah. So I definitely use uh, mixed materials on my work because I I love the the interplay of that uh, just quality of mark making. And again, like I mentioned, I'm. I've been working like and drawing for longer and that's more inherent to my gesture as well. Um, and in terms of gesture, like we're used to writing with pen or pencil or writing our names or, you know, taking notes. And so that, that sort of motion that you take with your, with your hand, with a, with a pencil or a pastel or whatever is more inherently tied to our inherent gesture, regardless of if you're an artist or not. So I always like bringing in that kind of, almost written quality yeah. um, that sits behind my artwork to kind of give that sort of uh, personal, very intuitive gesture to the work. So then uh, another influence you sense, so it makes sense. So the collage of Nanette is kind of like your connection to her mm -hmm. work. Is that about right? Is, yeah, okay. yeah, and the materiality of it. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because her work is kind of, uh, to me, it's very droll. <laughs> I don't, uh, I, I just don't like the colors uh, very much, personally. So you like the bright you know? colors. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I do. So, and then, so the next artist was Wing, Wingechi Mutu. Am I saying mm -hmm. that right? Yep. Okay. What about her art? So, it's back to that. Uh, <laughs> The obvious media course that I took. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, uh, Jamie Bull is the uh, artist slash professor uh, that was teaching that course. I feel like I need to like call her out because apparently it's very important the work she <laughs> yeah. exposed me to. And she's an awesome artist too. Jamie Bull is a great uh, Atlanta-based artist. Uh, you should look her up. I think you'd actually really enjoy her work because it is brightly colored. It is funny. Oh boy. Oh, um, it, it's, it, there's a lot of comedy in her work. Um, and very similarly with Wengechi Mutu's, um, she's, she kind of deals with feminist issues, but in a kind of absurdist sort of way, which is fascinating. Um, yeah. Side note to that. But yeah, so I was exposed to Wengechi Mutu's work in that course, and I like fell in love with it, uh, with the, again, with just like how much of the layer building you can see on um, kind of more transparent surfaces and her collaging, her, her, her message too. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's just such a fun, weird, alien uh, sort of interplay with, with the materiality and then her subject matter. She looks, it's like stained Salvador Dali. <laughs> is what I would it, say. It does kind of have a, like the, the lankiness to the limbs and things does I guess have like a, a surrealist quality to it. I, I love these, by the way. You know, I love them. They're they're really they are funnier, I guess. So <laughs> yeah, there's like a seriousness to it as well. Like oh yeah. Yeah. So I think artwork that allows you to kind of enter in in a either a soulful or a comedic way and then get to like the 
the goods is always a nice way to like bring people in and then hit them with what you got. I think that's what I like that. That's the, the art I'm drawn to most is like you bring people in and then you, you get them right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And I love her color palette too. Like they're mm-hmm. all the pinks and red she uses don't feel so like juvenile. I feel like it's a way that pinks and blues and things tend to feel in some work. Yeah, and I've I've always been kind of averse to using pinks and things, but now I'm like loving it, and I I I look to her a lot to kind of the sophistication of her her palette and using these sort of colors. So let's see. You mentioned Helen Frankenthaler. Yeah, I feel like I would be remiss to not mention her, considering abstract aqueous painting. Er, on Eric, Rock. have you heard of Helen Th- Frankenthaler? I have not. Okay, so she's a a woman who kind of like. Worked well, at the same time as <laughs> uh, abstract expressionist giants, men, and things, but didn't. Yeah. Took her more time to to get her work equated with theirs. Um, yeah, this but colorful her. painting. Um, this is her, Eric. She like made giant, giant paintings that were like stains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she started working. Um, on unprimed canvas as well. And I think if I'm correct, and I hope I am, because I don't know how many people are talking to you, but she used <laughs> to work with oil and like uh, thinning it down with solvents and then abstract, or abstract, then acrylic paint became more of a thing and um, kind of opened up a whole different world of possibilities because yeah. of the way. Um, oil paint on raw canvas over time will just eat it. Whereas acrylic paint being water-based and essentially just like watered down plastic and pigment um, <laughs> won't, won't be so, so volatile on the canvas. Um, yeah, they look like watercolors. They they're really cool. Huge. They're, they're yeah. most, of them, most of them are very big. No. But they're massive. They're like, she's sitting on them. Yeah. So that's how big they are when you look at these. Yeah, they're awesome. Are you ever going to work that big, Evan? Oh, I love working big. I... Um, <laughs> I guess I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm in a studio that's only so big. So I have to kind of think about that too, because any works that I'm not like working on a commission or working for something specifically, just end up living in our house in some way, shape or form. So um, I see that you did a mural recently. Yeah, I did a a mural at what's called Stack Squares here in Atlanta. Um, And it was super fun. I, I also approached murals kind of in the same way where I don't ever have like a specific fully fleshed out plan I have to like work intuitively in some way again I think it's because I'm really bad at sitting down and sketching things (laughs) to perfection and then doing it I'm just like I'm gonna do it and see what happens yeah 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 uh Candida Alvarez yeah she's awesome her work looks to me like a lot like your work yeah, like it's, she, it's a lot closer to your style. I love her color palette, how vibrant it is, um, how, how just, yeah, the way that she pulls together different shapes and forms, and it kind of has this sort of paint by numbers, sort of like squiggly edge quality to it, but again, right. not, not that, it's super more sophisticated than that, but she also uses like really, uh, she'll just like use crayons sometimes, and or like color pencil to make make a make a huge drawing and it's I just think that kind of readiness of material and um kind of boldness in her color and confidence in her color palette is just beautiful and gorgeous and I love it a lot 
Yeah, I've noticed that she kind of hides figures sometimes in her paintings too. Mm. Um, and, and you do that now and then. Yeah, I will every now and again. I, I miss painting the figures. I feel like it might <laughs> come back and yeah, who knows? Frank Bowling does that too. Not like hidden figures, but like huge paintings um, that are more abstract and then placing just kind of a, a person <laughs> in yeah. there. And I think he does it in a really graceful way, which I um, haven't quite mastered that yet, <laughs> making that graceful transition. Right, um, right. But uh, yeah, so maybe, maybe in the future. Yeah, there's... Yeah, definitely Frank's colors are, are closer to you too right where if candida's um composition is close to your paintings i'd, I'd say frank's colors are are yeah. near yours yeah yeah no he's 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 awesome and his work again it's really big um and really just i mean google doesn't do it justice of course like standing in front of his works so <laughs> like again yeah. want to get in there because there's so many different like layers and different different pieces of it that are just so fascinating and beautiful it's another one you want to be inches away from exactly yeah, yeah. which is a nice thing about large super huge paintings is you don't necessarily have to be so close to see all of the the little the little details so right yeah um i was confused about mavis Pou uh how do you say Pousset. her name Pousset. yeah yeah she's definitely more like rigid in her forms but um, it reminds me so much of quilting and um, okay. I do layer, not on all of them, but I do layer sometimes like more, like I, I've even started using tape, which is just like a huge Oh my up gosh. That generally. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just like the way that she layers kind of more flat color, more rigid um, geometric shapes reminds me a lot of quilting. Um, and yeah, I think she, her work, she tends to take from her environment too. She lived in the city and like by construction sites. And so there's a lot of that like architectural rigidity to her work. But some of it, like, I feel like you can even like hear the sounds of cities when you're like looking at her more um, detailed, detailed work. So yeah, yeah I, I look at her too in that sense of just like kind of layering the more architectural forms in there. Yeah, these, these are just fantastic. Yeah, I, I think they're, and also just like, having so much movement without having with like just using straight edges or like simple shapes like circles and rectangles and still having a lot of a lot of play in that I think is is really fascinating. Talking about rectangles, uh, <laughs> Catherine McNaughton. Yeah. Oh, I love her work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She's contemporary. Yeah. I'm super obsessed with her work. I'm yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge girl crush obsession. I'm Oh yeah. I just want one of her paintings in my life at some point in time. What about them draws you in? Uh, the color, the movement, the layers, the like, she also has subtle uh, figures in her work too, which I think is just gorgeous. The way that she's like able to layer the thin, probably similar concept of like working on a raw canvas, but then layering it with these super flat, uh, graphic forms. I just think that she has such a good mastery of composition and movement and color where it doesn't feel overwhelming, even though she's using such saturated colors everywhere yeah. all the time. Yeah, no, I think she's, she's honestly like goals. <laughs> yeah, <love> yeah. 
She also hides figures too. I noticed. Yeah. Now yeah, and then. yeah, yeah. She had a whole uh, article, I think, about. Um, I think it had to do with like Playboy and the female form, um, which is fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, so then she started hiding a lot of, or not so hidden, figures and torsos and things in her work. But right, right. Yeah. I, cool. <laughs> compositionally color wise everything it's scale it's like the perfect scale too it's not too big but it's not too small like i don't know i just love it love it a lot yeah well evan this has been awesome yeah i really like your your new work like a lot like it's fun and it's um it's bright which is good. <laughs> you know i i guess you. i yeah. guess we've established that i like bright colors i think we're we're doing good <laughs> yeah no, it's been great um i feel like there's been a lot of i feel like this quarantine studio period has been like five years worth of developing a practice like a new practice for me um so it seems oh, yeah. like a lot has changed in like seven months but it really honestly feels very much so me. Um, have you gone to brighter, like happier? I'm not going to say happier, but have you gone to that brighter from is like a retaliation against like the darker moment that you're living in? Do you oh, think? Oh, maybe. Oh, that might be it. I honestly haven't thought so much. Of, I think it's also switching from oil paint to acrylic paint. Oh, yeah. Um, because there are like fluorescents that you can get with acrylic that I used to just be like, Bleh, we're not doing that. Like, we're earthy. We use oil paints. We paint the figure and they're in nature. And so there was just like this need for earth tones and for flesh yeah. tones. And I love them still. I have no, I'm, I will always, that will always hold a place in my heart. Like painting the figure in oil, painting nature in oil is just like a super yummy, really enjoyable experience. Um, but yeah, there's just like a whole different uh, element to using acrylic paint, using like fluorescent colors and bright colors that can layer and transparencies in really interesting ways. But yeah, just like allowing myself to be more bold in my practice too. I think I've, I, I've now come to terms with like, if I use bold colors and I can, and I can't be shy in using those colors. So it kind oh, yeah. of plays off of that too, where it's like, all right, if I'm going to make a bold mark, it's going to be in a bold color and therefore it's a bold, confident work. Interesting. So, yeah. 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 And it's are you an introvert? I've always wanted to ask this. I don't know. I'm like, I'm an introvert. <laughs> the answer is no then. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm like on that line, like I gain energy from like, I can't be too sequestered for too long, but I don't need huge groups of people. Like I don't like big crowds, but I like talking. So yeah. I feel like I have been talking a lot. So I, I'm sorry if I've been cutting anybody off. Oh no, no, no. this is exactly what we need in a yeah, podcast. No, I'm, I'm, I gain energy from being around people, but I also gain energy from being like alone, alone in my thoughts too. But I have to, I have to hear them spoken out loud. So I talk my husband's ear off a lot whenever I have those super solitary studio moments and I come out. So do you, but do you get annoyed when he's around too much? Like, and you can't like get your own time? No. Yeah. See, that's the thing is like, okay. I like knowing that he's there. I like having our dog around. I like, I like knowing that people are there. Yeah. That I can interact with if I want to. <laughs> so, right. Right. Okay. Yes. But when I lived with like a lot of people, I did not like living with like so many people. That was right. Like, so when I moved in with him, I was like, this is perfect. It's just one other person who I know and love and like know how to communicate with. Oh and yeah. We both have our spaces. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I think I'm both. I can't be alone for too long and I can't be in a crowd for too long. Right, right. Well, I, I, nobody can be alone for too, like for forever, but yeah, yeah I was just wondering. Crazy. Yeah. I think I, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm probably an introvert. Yeah. But I'm like ext- extroverted introvert, right? Yeah, like, I haven't been um, suffering as much as a lot of people I know who are extroverts <laughs> in this quarantine time who are just like like going nuts because they can't go out and be like get the energy of like going to concerts and going to like... Oh, you know, yeah. I have, I have AirPods and I can just listen to music <laughs> instead of music. So, yeah, no, I'm... I'm I'm actually more comfortable in this time than I thought I would be, which I know is less. You, you may be an introvert. I don't know. Eric, what do you think? Weigh in. <laughs> I mean, no, because I'd say you're, we'll, we'll go halfway. Halfway? Half half. Yeah, see, I feel like I'm so, again, I feel like that's my whole life. It's, a, it's not all one thing. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can be introverted and I can be extroverted. Well, I mean, so like I prefer, like I used to do my work at a, uh, when I was working from home, I used to do my work um, at a coffee shop because I'd rather not be alone in my apartment doing my work. I'd rather, like, even though I'm not talking to anybody because I'd be really awkward while doing like, <laughs> like, like mathematics, mathematics, mathematics. How you doing? Yeah. Um, but Eric, you're an extrovert because you knew everyone's name at this coffee shop. He goes to a Starbucks like right next to his house. And we walked in there one day and he like knew everyone who works there. Oh, that's like awesome. he knew all their names and like their quirks and like he had like running bits with everyone and oh, introverts awesome. just don't do that okay so i almost used to my dad though who like my dad's a doctor who literally in our airplane ride when he was by himself became best friends with like the two people that were next to him and they were like literally like, on his shoulder crying he's like it's all right i'm here <laughs> yeah that's, and that's, it's that's like my dad he makes friends if you're like pumping gas next time for too long then all of a sudden he's gonna have your phone number so yeah 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 that's awesome well evan thank you so much for doing this podcast thank yeah you. thanks for thanks for having me on this has been fun to chat it's been interesting i love i love getting to know your work more and like how where, how you came to it yeah, thanks for asking all the good questions and talking about blue paint and all the <laughs> Okay, so Evan, thank you so much. We'll we'll see you later. Sounds good. All right, bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to the end of the podcast. I'm still Keegan, and this is Fine Art Podcast, where hopefully by now you think that the podcast was better than fine, but um, that's all we're going for, really. It's a fine podcast about fine art, and thank you so much to Evan Blackwell for coming on the show. You can find her work at evanblackwellart.com. She sells prints, and she sells paintings. She's open to commissions and she does murals and uh, all her contact info is on her website. It's evanblackwellart.com. Again, thank you so much. And thank you to Eric for coming on the show. You were hilarious and wonderful as usual. Um, He hosts a podcast called Dumb Comic Creators. uh, And technically I'm on that podcast too. Uh, But uh yeah i didn't want to like cross promote on this podcast if you like to find art podcast subscribe it's really easy you just uh wherever you're listening to this podcast you hit the subscribe button 
Um, hopefully you're not listening uh, on like a tape that somebody had you like recorded on a cassette tape and brought it to you in the mountains. Uh, if if so, make sure you tell that person that you want more tapes of this show um, because hope and hopefully they'll bring it to you uh, when the ice melts and you and you're able to make passage to the village. Uh, yeah, but subscribe to this podcast. Um, thank you so much to Groovebox uh, for making the beats, and I hope to talk to you soon. Um, yeah, come back. Come back for more episodes. All right. Bye.